Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, season number four, episode number 15. Your deep dive into anything and everything related to UW-Superior Yellow Jacket Athletics. With the big sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, joined also by our production engineer, Sanyum Shrestha. And the theme song leading into this, Matt, the, the Full Metal Jackets, I was enjoying listening to them at hockey last weekend because if somebody had brought up to me one of the people that was in from out of town had said, wow, we didn't have a band when I played here. Those guys are good. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's like, yeah, they they are. And it's, it's, it's such a different feel from your traditional college pep band. Right. And yeah. I, I had always kind of thought, you know, pep bands scream college sports. You're watching, oh, yeah. you're watching Absolutely. a college football game on TV or a college basketball game on TV, and you can always hear the band playing in the background. Right, yeah. You know, the University of Minnesota, they bust into the rouser at any time. Right. Yeah. And it just, it screams college sports. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it was it was something that was lacking here, and I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled that we were able to finally get on the same page with the music department right. here and be able to put together a band. And they came in and said, yeah, we're in, but we have a different idea. Right. Yeah. And they, they kind of came with the almost like Chicago feel to it, where it's yeah. going to have guitars and it's going to have, you know, a drum kit and a bass player, but it's also going to have horns. And, you know, the my my only thing with it is I wish it was a little bigger. I'd love to hear more horns right. playing with the full metal jacket. They're certainly not a traditional band no. in any like real sense. I mean, they they don't have uniforms. They're not doing any, you know, marching around or anything like that. They're not, you know, playing any, you know, they, they might be playing some of the same songs, but it doesn't have a pep band feel like sound. To right. it. It's very different. Um, you know, and they, they attend probably, I don't know, a handful of events every year. They probably do anywhere from, they do about a dozen games in the winter. Yeah. That, yeah. They're, they usually the are. Season. Yeah. They come up usually for a couple each of, of men's women's hockey uh, and both basketballs. And then mm-hmm. they they might also sprinkle in an extra one there. If there's a playoff game or something. Yep. If they can do a playoff game, yep. they'll, they'll um, try to do that. Uh, you know, and I think it is very unique to UWS. Um, Cause a lot of places we go, don't have bands. Like a lot of the places that our, our teams go, Right, don't have bands. Uh, I heard one this year when we went down to Stevens Point. Stevens Point for is, basketball. Yep, and yep. They, every hockey game we play yep. there, they I mean, they, they have always a have a band there, and their band is actually quite large. It takes up, you know, at least for basketball, it takes up one whole side. Yeah, it takes up part of a section. Yeah, part of a section at, at, at you know at, at the field house where they play their their men's games. Um, you know, UW Eau Claire has a band that's quite large. Theirs is really really quite large, and they. Actually, they fill almost a whole section. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever go down to Zorn Arena and happen to watch them play down there, I know Zorn is on its way out, but it's a smaller building, and so that place gets loud. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, because it, it's it's loud. Also at Stevens Point, the pep band is the loudest I've ever heard is is Eau Claire hands down mm-hmm. because they take up that whole side and the ceilings are pretty low at Zorn, right? And it's not a very big building to begin with, sure. So you have that, and then when it comes together. You know, there are times where it's hard to like even hear yourself think. Mm-hmm. You know, in that place, but that's kind of like the tradition that you can't kind of what you expect when you go down there, right? To play a game down there, um, you know. And it, I, I, I should probably actually talk to Matt Cyberling about that. Like, how do you coach when the band is that loud in that place? Because it is really loud. Mm-hmm. Like, it is to the point where it literally is almost ringing in your ears. Yeah. There have been times where I broadcast a game down there where I couldn't hear the studio, sure, because I had to like play with the knobs just so I could hear them talking to me back. Because it was loud, and I had that. I did that, I think, a couple times this year too with uh, with um, Stevens Point, because they don't hold back either with their band. But ours is probably about. I would say Phil Mail Jackets about half the size of your typical small school. I mean, you've pep probably band. got only honestly only seven or eight people. There. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, even for a small school band, it's it's you know it's it's more of a kind of uh, it's almost more of an ensemble mm-hmm. in a certain at a certain level. Um, but yeah, there's a couple electric guitars, there's like a drum kit. Um, you know, and Greg plays with them. Yep. <laughs> so he's one of them. Uh, he's, he's not the just directing player. them. Yeah, he he's not even just directing them. He's also playing with them. Well, and he's also the guy who who charts all the music too. So right, you know, yeah. you, you know the all the music pieces that they play, he's charted for every instrument himself. Right. You yeah. You know, and so yeah. that's a, another piece of it is. So I mean, there because pep bands have directors. Mm-hmm. Greg's not really a director. He's more of a participant slash 
you know. <laughs> right. You know, kind of, I mean, he's an overseer and he is the boss, but he's more of a an active participant than simply just directing the band. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you, you're if you're listening and you're interested in, in being a part of that next year, he's right. the person you, you talk to because it's not like it's a closed group. It's not oh, no, like not there's limitations. I mean, if you suddenly have 30 students who want to be a part of that thing, hey, bring it on. Right. Yeah. Let's bring it. Right, yeah, you yeah, because that's it's only going to add to the. It gets atmosphere. pretty loud at Mertz. Uh, it gets loud at Mertz. It gets loud in both buildings. I mean, it's loud at Westman Arena. I think too. Westman is a little more conducive to it, just because the ceilings are higher and right. it's a little bit bigger of a venue, so you're going to have a little bit more room for the sound to kind of travel. In Mertz, it's a much more intimate kind of venue, and where they're set up, it's much more closer to the action. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit louder, I would say, over at Mertz. But yeah, I mean, they're not quiet either way. I mean, you can no. hear them in the background definitely. I know when you and I are doing games. Yeah. So and that's sort of part of it as well. Uh, I will say this: they do a really good job of the national anthem when mm-hmm. they play it. I mean, and it's a very unique sounding anthem too when they play it. Yeah, um, and, and it's a nice change up. You know, I mean, usually we have the choral ensemble, but uh, you know, um, and they're great too. Completely different sound, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely different sound. I remember the one time at basketball we had them live. They right, came yeah. over and they and they did it live, and that was wonderful. Right, yeah, you know, and that was yeah. sort of when we the, the idea of we got to get that recorded. Right, you know, and then they laid down the track for it, and, and we we play it all the time now instead of using the now we use U, it at uh, instead of using the U, United States Marine Marching Band version, right. which every everyone uses. every music computer in the country has <laughs> right. on file. You know, we're able to use something that's well. Like it's nice to keep it local home. too, because yeah. it's like you know, I mean, because I think we've used it pretty much all year. I mean, I know we use it throughout the soccer season. Yeah, I use it. Yeah, you know, if I don't have somebody singing or the band playing, I, I tend to use that one. Right. Yeah, and that's I mean, we use it for volleyball. We used it for soccer. Uh, we used it mostly for basketball. We've had a few where the Full Metal Jackets have played it, mm-hmm. and then uh, same thing with hockey. Yep. I think it pretty much is that's like the kind of the the baseline now that we're using, which is fine. I almost like it more a cappella than than any other way. I'm with you. Yeah. So yeah, but it is very unique. Um, First of all, let me also say this. It was really cool to see the guys come back from the O2 team. Yes. Um, I'm a feel, I have a feeling it was one of those guys that brought it up, or maybe a few of those guys yeah, that it was, brought it up. Yeah, it was one of them that brought it up to me. Yeah. Um, it was good to see those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they haven't been back in a long time. and Some of them haven't been back since they graduated. You know, you and I spent some time with them on yeah. Saturday, and yeah. uh, they just seemed really happy just to be back. They did. <laughs> you know, no, like they, they, they just seemed like they were really happy did. to be back. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, um, yeah, they, I mean, that was, that was fun. That was, that's one of those events that you, you, you look forward to seeing those guys. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, you, you'll hear coaches say at the end of a season, you know, today is the last day that this group is ever going to be together. Right, yeah. And and for the most part, that's true. Right. You know, because yeah. it's, it's really difficult to to coordinate schedules and everything to get an entire team together, back at, together yeah. once they are done playing. Especially two decades out. Yeah, you know, yeah. life happens. <laughs> yeah, Families exactly. happen. People get busy. You know, in some cases, people die. Right. It's it's hard to get the group back together. So to see the number of guys from that O two national championship team that we had come back was awesome. Yeah, it was probably what two thirds of them, I guess. Probably, I, I think between players and coaches combined, there was like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, you which know, is so a lot. I it's mean, a, it's the, a lot. That's because the roster had what about 27, 28? Yeah, it's probably around twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, there were a few guys that didn't make it, but the vast majority of them were there, and mm-hmm. it was really cool to see those guys. Yeah. And, they just seemed really happy to be back together again. I mean, they there were, were a lot of smiles on their faces. Um, you know, well, after two decades, man, the stories get more and more fun. And <laughs> well, you get to that age where you start looking you know, back. The fish and going, just keeps getting bigger, right? Well, and it, you know, it's one of those things where it happens at the time and you don't really think about it as much. But then all of a sudden, years go by and you think about it, and it's like that was really cool. Yeah, you know that that's that's why I remember. And you and the, you you go back and you think about those memories because you start getting older, like we are, mm-hmm. and they are, mm-hmm. where you go, wow, that was, you know. You sit back and you kind of fi- fondly smile about it. At the time, it was like, well, that was kind of, you know, okay, that, that and that happened, and that was kind of unique. Yeah. But then, you know, as time goes by, the memories become more and more fond, and then you start to really reminisce about it. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, the guys did fu- quite a bit of that. <laughs> it was a lot of feel. reminiscing, a yeah. lot of great stories, so yeah. it, was, it was a lot yeah. of fun. But Very cool. At any rate, let's jump into it. So wherever yeah. you want to start this week, let's go. Well, let's, uh, let's segue into men's hockey. Uh, not a great weekend for the Yellow Jackets uh, on the ice. Um, I will say that it no, was great it was, to see all it was of extremely the, disappointing. Yeah, the O2 guys come back and have the full male jackets there. Big crowd, by the way, on Saturday. That yeah. was that was nice to see. Uh, but the jackets, unfortunately, fell twice this weekend to UW Stevens Point. They finished the regular season fourteen nine and two overall, nine five and one in the WIAC. They're now the number three seed in the WIAC tournament, and we'll be playing this weekend. We'll talk more about that in our final segment, of course. Um, but in those two games against UW Stevens Point this weekend, they lost the pointers two to one on Friday in a tight game, and then four nothing on Saturday in a game that was pretty much 
one-sided throughout. Um, on Friday, the Yellow Jackets trailed one nothing after two periods before getting the tying goal from Jordan. Um, um, is it Ganey? Ganey. Okay, Jordan Ganey. Sorry, I wanted to make sure I said it right. Jordan Ganey at 9.08 of the third period before the pointers. Fletcher Anderson scored the game winner just 103 later to provide the winning margin. Pointers outshot the Yellow Jackets 29-22. Dylan Milan took the loss with 27 saves, and I think I heard you say that was actually a pretty good game. It was a real good game. Yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, first period is great. Honestly, the first period each night was great. Right, yeah, Really yeah. good. Um, but the second periods were dreadful. Yeah. Both nights, second periods were just dreadful. And it was it was so disappointing because they come into the weekend, you're one point out, you control your destiny. Right, yeah. And you don't go come anywhere near getting the job done. Right. You know, and so. I was surprised about Saturday. I thought Saturday was a, a pretty much a big letdown. Um, Jackets, Huge. By the way, got outshot 40 to 15, and I, I really felt like they never really got out of the gate. They didn't. Yeah, they just didn't. They I mean, didn't. it was the point. I thought the pace was very good for the first 10 minutes, actually, mm-hmm. and I thought both teams were really skating well. There wasn't a lot of whistles. No. The pace was good. I thought both teams were really skating hard. But then mm-hmm. Jackets just seemed to kind of lose their luster as the game went on, and the yeah. pointers just didn't. No. They just kept moving. No, and they, they had one – job to do coming up here they knew they had one job to do and they came up here and they did it yep and props to them yeah because they they all played us in every facet of the game yeah both nights yeah and you know they're they're the number one seed for a reason yeah and they earned it yeah and disappointingly you know we we take two l's there and you know we need two points the entire weekend to secure a buy and get some guys healthy and everything we didn't get the job done yeah you know so now you now you got to play now it's uh now it's uh, you know it's one of those things where it comes back around on you. Yep. And it you know it, it's it's hard to go in the playoffs that way. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, you know, it's funny. It's one of the things I'm going to ask coach in the pregame this weekend is if your team was picked fourth, you have all these new freshmen, you don't know how your season is going to unfold. Right. If somebody tells you in October you're going to go into the tournament as the number three seed and have a home playoff series, you're probably going to go. All right. We'll take that. I'm in. Right. Yeah. And you're going into this weekend feeling anything but. The context changes. Absolutely, it did. Yeah, the context changed. Absolutely, it changed. Yeah, disappointing. Disappointing to say the least, but you know what? Got to lace them up and go again. It's one of those things where you got to flush it and move on. Yep, you got to move on. You got to move on. Yep, and we'll talk more about them. Of course, coming up, they've got their first round series against Northland College yep. at Westman Arena. Uh, women's hockey played Stevens Point as well. They finished night, or sorry, they didn't finish yet. They still have two regular season games to go, but they're nine and fourteen overall now, two and eight in the WIAC. They split two games last weekend, defeating UW Stevens Point three to two on Friday before falling to the Pointers five to three in the rematch on Saturday. Both games were played at KB Willett Arena in Stevens Point. On Friday night, the Yellow Jackets got goals from CC Hayes, Jenna Hoops, and Gabby Andriachi, while Rose Beeman. Made 38 saves and goal to pick up the win. The last snap, a six-game losing skid for the Yellow Jackets. So they that was a big that. win. And you they and I had talked that. about that last week, that they yep. needed to get something positive happening. They yep. finally got it, yep. getting that win on Friday. Unfortunately, on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets could not complete the sweep. Although they did get two goals from Darby Matson and an additional goal from CC Hayes, Pointer scored once in the first and twice in both the second and third periods to pick up the split. Rose Beeman took the loss with 20 saves. The Yellow Jackets actually held a 36-25 edge on shots in that game, but the Pointers ended up getting the split. And Probably not a bad way to finish out the season series with the Pointers. No, but it's disappointing again because you get that win on Friday. Right, yeah. And you know then that winning on Saturday keeps you alive for that number three seed. Right, yep. And so to come out of that, you know, now you're going into this weekend knowing you're playing Northland twice – and then you have to turn around and play them again on Tuesday in the first round of the playoffs. Right. That's just a matter of is it going to be here or is it going to be there. Right. You know. Yeah. So you, you need to make sure you win one of these two this weekend, and then Tuesday night you're going to be at home. And I feel like that's sort of a deja vu situation for Dano because I think it was the same, same situation thing last, last year. year. Yeah, same exact situation. Yep. So it uh, turned out okay last year. Hopefully it will turn out okay again this year. So uh, that's what's what happened on the women's hockey front. Men's basketball had a split over the weekend as well. They're now 14-9 and nine overall, 8-4 and four in the UMAC. Although I think for this split, I don't know if people would have predicted the two games would have gone this particular way. Right, I think they would have split fine, but... Yeah, I think it would have been way around in terms of the results. At least that's what history would have told us. Right. Uh, but they did split two games. Uh, they did fall to North Central 80-76 to 76 on Friday at Clark Danielson Gym in Minneapolis before edging past Northwestern in a thriller 
at the Erickson Center on Saturday, 72-71. to We'll talk more about that game in a second here. And that uh, made some history for the Yellow Jackets as well. We'll talk more about that again in a moment here. But against the Rams, Yellow Jackets led 37-32 at the break before North Central came back to outscore the Yellow Jackets by 9 at 48-39 after the break to pick up the win for the game. UWS shot 46.2% and led by Joey Barker with 19 points. Joey went 8 of 11 from the field. Joseph Fahrenholz had 14 points. Levin Miguel had 11, and TJ Moberg had 10. Second time this year that they've lost to the Rams by 4. Four-point loss here, four-point loss down there, so they've been right there. And led at halftime in both games. Yep. Um, you know, and that's one of those things that sticks in your craw a little bit. Well, it, it, yeah. it definitely does because yeah. those two games are, are kind of the difference right now. Right, yeah. You know, you'd still be in the hunt for a conference championship. If not for those two games. If not yeah. for those two games. You probably are secure in at least having a home playoff game. Right. If not for those two games. Right. So, yeah, I think they definitely stick in your craw. Right. Thankfully, the Yellow Jackets came back the next night in a game that I did not expect them to play this well. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a tough way to go into the Erickson Center because Northwestern, for anyone who knows anything about UMAC basketball in the history, Northwestern is really, really tough at home. Uh, they rarely lose Always at the Erickson been. Center. Yeah, and uh, you know they, that's, that's a tough venue to go into. Jackets have not fared well in the past. They played some competitive games down there, but kind of usually failed to come up with a victory. Not this time. Yellow Jackets... In the Eagles in that contest, battled back and forth until the final seconds when the Yellow Jackets' Javon Walker was followed with just 1.3 seconds left on the clock and calmly sank two free throws to give the Yellow Jackets a dramatic comfort behind. 72-71 to win over the Eagles in a season sweep of Northwestern for the first time since UWS joined the UMAC back in 2015. So that was a big one. I think that's kind of the headline of the weekend is the fact they were able to bounce back from that game against uh, North Central and beat Northwestern. Because um, both games in Northwestern were also extremely tight. Jackets right. beat them by three in overtime here, and then they go down there and beat them uh, by one point at the Erickson Center. It kind of shows you the, also how close the conference is right now from top to bottom. Right. In terms of the difference well, it goes between. Back to we talked to with Corey Barker last week about right, how, yeah. particularly in men's basketball, it is, you know, you got five, it's six tight. teams where it's, yeah. it's tight. It's a logjam right now. Yes. Uh, you know, Bethany has a two game lead in first, but the Jackets right now. Technically, would be the number two seed if the season, if the postseason started today, because they have the tiebreaker over Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Jackets in them are both at eight and four, and, North, and right now it's North Central and Minnesota Morris are both seven and five, and then Crown is at five and seven. So you've got this sort of logjam happening right now on the men's side, a little bit on the women's side too, but not as as severe a logjam as you have on the men's side, where the, there's literally a game here, a game there that can make a difference between being number two or number four, and not even perhaps even making the conference tournament. So the games this weekend are going to be very, very important as we go. You know, uh, excuse me, the Yellow Jackets shot 42.4% for the game and were led by Joseph Fahrenholtz with 22 points. Joey Barker had 14, Javon Walker with 12, and Andrew Cornelius finished with 11 points for UWS in that contest. Meanwhile, women's basketball, 8-13 overall, 6-6 six six in the UMAC. They split two games last weekend as well, and again, I'm not sure that this would have been the split that people would have predicted, but uh, it is the, the split that they ended up getting. Yep. <laughs> They fall to North Central 63-57 to on Friday in Minneapolis at Clark Danielson Gym before edging Northwestern 57-55 to in overtime on Saturday at the Erickson Center in St. Paul. And I think that one almost was more surprising for some folks considering Northwestern hadn't lost a game in the league yet right? until the Yellow Jackets beat them in overtime on their home floor. First time the Jackets played Northwestern was very tight. It was a five-point win for the Eagles here. That was a few weeks back, of course, but... Not sure everybody saw that one coming, and that's that's a nice bounce back. Huge. For Coach Emily Carpenter and company. In the game against the Rams, the Yellow Jackets trailed 18-12 to after one, closed the gap to 31-29 at the break, and still trailed just by two at 45-43 after three before North Central added four extra points onto their margin in the fourth quarter by outscoring the Yellow Jackets 18-14. to Pick up the win for the game. The Yellow Jackets 32.3% shooting percentage, and were led by Elise Bessonen with 14 points, Kaylin Christian and Brighton Kukowski, who's back in the lineup now. Good to see her back. Uh, yeah, it had been a while. Points. Yeah, she she been, been out for a while. She had been in that boot for a bit, and then now she got out of the boot. And I talked to her last week, and she said that she was just hoping to get back that weekend, and she did. So that was good because she is a big part of what they do. So mm-hmm. uh, having Brighton back in there is a big deal. And then against the Eagles the following day after that loss, WS basically led throughout the game. Took a 14-7 to lead after one. Led 24 to 18 at the half, and from there the Yellow Jackets head to the fourth quarter, still leading it by six at 34 to 28 before the Northwestern stage a fourth quarter rally. They'll outscore the Yellow Jackets 22 to 16 over the final 10 minutes to force the game in overtime at 50 apiece. In overtime, the Yellow Jackets never trailed 
and made three of their four shots in the extra session to pick up the win and hand the Eagles their first conference loss of the season for the game. UWS shots 36.5% were led by Katie Dobson, who had 16 points, while Bessonen had 13 points for the Yellow Jackets in that contest. She's having a good year, Katie Dobson. Yeah, Katie Dobson is one of those players that kind of came out of nowhere, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. She didn't play much last year as a freshman. Uh, got a few mop-up minutes here and there in games. Uh, but this year, she's become a regular contributor. I mean, she's started the vast majority of the game. She's second on the team in scoring yep. behind Kaylin Christian. So, you know, future's good for her. And she's one of those players right now that I think is trying to find that consistency. Yep. Um, she's a really, really good jump shooter. And when she gets her game going from there, she's really, really dangerous. Yeah, she when can she score. gets in the pocket, she can, yeah. she can hit him. She can really hit him. And she can hit a lot in a, in a hurry. Yep. She's got a nice release. It's, it's a nice rotation. And she, she usually – if she splashes her first two, you're in trouble. Because she's going to make a bunch that day if she does that. Right. Um, and it's uh, right now Emily Carpenter is trying to get with her, is trying to get that consistency where she's constantly looking for her shot. You know, she's always she knows in attack a thing mode. She too about hitting threes, too. She does, yeah. Yeah, she's she's up there in the three-point list. So, yes. you know, if Emily gets some extra time to work with Katie, I think it'll be uh, beneficial down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Men's and women's indoor track and field. Both teams were in action on Saturday, hosting the Madej Classic at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse. On the men's side, UWS took three events as Ethan Westemeyer won the twenty-two. Excuse me, the two twenty, the two hundred meters with a school record time of twenty-two point nine five seconds. Earl Foster took the two hundred meter hurdles with a time of twenty-six point seven two seconds. While Garrett Lynch won the pole vault when he cleared a height of four point three meters, that's about fourteen feet or so. Westemeyer and Lynch were also named UMAC men's track and field athletes for the week for their performances, and I feel like that award has kind of been just per, uh, permanently in UWS's Yeah, we've had a lot of hands. this year. Yeah, <laughs> during the indoor track season. Uh, meanwhile, on the women's side, Hallie Barker took the 5,000 meters with a time of 20 minutes and 3.15 seconds to lead the Yellow Jackets in that one. And last but not least, men's and women's tennis were both in action. I'd say that uh, Coach uh, C.J. Schaffner has himself a squad on the men's side for sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, they're just rolling through they're right now. rolling over people right yeah, now. Yeah, men defeated Bethel 8-1 to on Saturday. Well, the women also fell to the Royals 9-0. Both matches were played on Saturday at the uh, Rogers Tennis Club in Rogers, Minnesota. On the men's side, UWS got doubles wins from the duos of Andre Luiz and Z- Jacob Zacharias at number one. Doubles, Igor getting Chavez and Vitor Sakakabara at number two doubles. And Benedict Kaibos and Mateus Miranda. Silvestri at number three doubles before also getting singles wins from Getten Chavez, Luis, Ren Karachi, Kaibos, and Jace Gilbertson in that win over the Royals. And that's what happened on uh, the last week. But, boy, that looks like a that's a good-looking group of players that's over good there. Good-looking crew he's got there. Yeah, really good-looking crew. Mm-hmm. And it'll be in- really interesting to see how they fare the rest of the way because they're right now breezing through non-conference, and they haven't even gotten the conference yet. They haven't even gotten the conference play yet. That's yeah. right. So we'll see. Uh, we, we expected big things from them. Just based on their performances down at the uh, the regionals during the fall, but boy, right. they're uh, they're certainly living up to the billing here so far. No so, doubt. Yeah. So no that's doubt. what happened last week. That's the week that was. Yep, the week that was. So we'll take a break here, and when we come back on Eye of the Swarm, we'll be joined by Garrett Lynch, field athlete of the week in the UMAC last week, as well as head coach Glenn Drexler to talk a little bit about the indoor track and field season when Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back on the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we are going to be talking a little track and field here with the head coach of the men's and women's, we'll use indoor for right now because uh, it is currently the indoor season, the head coach of the Yellow Jackets, Glenn Drexler. Only two of the six teams. Yes, two of his six. Officially. And when he introduces himself, he lists them all out, and it's like that will not fit on a business He's the only coach I know that coaches about half the teams in the department, (laughs) and he's one guy. Ed Garrett Lynch joining us as well. So glad to have the two of you with us. But before we get into track and field, Glenn, you're a Bemidji State alum, and we were talking a little bit in the opening segment today about bands and about pep bands. So you had one the in Blue your days in Bemidji State, the, the, the Swingers. 
Right on. At Bemidji State. And yeah. I, I remember them very well. Were they oh, blue yeah. line or red line? I thought they were a red line. They might have been the red line swingers. I might but have they were good. insulted them. They were good. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. And it was, I mean, we had a band. Bemidji had a band. Yeah, they were the red line swingers. Point had a band. We didn't have a fancy name. We were just the pep band under the direction of Dr. David Scott. Stevens Point had a band. Nobody else had bands. You know, so it was it was always kind of a treat to go to Bemidji because mm-hmm. the Superior Bemidji games back then were... They were epic. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the band was always there. Oh, yeah. The band was always there. I remember w- at one time having a drumstick thrown at us. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I don't, the pep band was tossing... Uh, they were unhappy issues. with something, so okay. they, they, the drummer threw a drumstick at us. You know, being a drummer myself, if it was a broken drumstick, okay, go for it. But, you know, just get it out there. But, yeah, I remember wow. a drumstick flying at us at one point. And just the, the, the best rivalry, it was. It was intense. It was. You know, we, we had good rivalries with Stevens Point and, and River Falls and Seattle over back then, too. But everything ratcheted up a little bit oh, yeah. when Bemidji was coming to town or when we were going there. Particularly there, I think. I remember some interesting games over here, too, though, coming mm-hmm. over. No, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody throwing a dead beaver on the ice. That happened. Wow. You know. Yeah, whenever the, there's dead rodents being tossed on the on the Robin league. Cook throwing his surface. stick at Dave Oviet. That was a that was one I'll cookie. never forget. Oh, cookie. Yeah, throwing a stick at him. But it was always interesting about Midgey because you, you had to share a penalty box with them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> at the old John Glass Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. You sat in the same penalty box. So you'd have some kind of a melee which was known to happen, and all of a sudden you have to go to the penalty box and the guy you remember, were mixed up with Bob is sitting right next to you. His guys to get him off the other guy. I remember that. Yep. Boy, they talk about a system that's set up to quote unquote not fail. Wink, right. Wink. Right. <laughs> Boy, how's that work? You just had a brawl on the ice. Now go sit next to the guy for another exactly. five minutes. <laughs> like, but uh, I just, yeah, I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because of your your past with mm-hmm. Bemidji State, mm-hmm. and I know that you were an employee at the arena back then. I believe correct. I was. Yeah, I did, drove the Zamboni, cleared the ice. I. I was even, strangely enough, with my job, I was also a, a goal judge, which, looking back, it felt a little weird to be a student athlete and a goal judge in that kind of capacity to have that kind of authority. It's a little disturbing. Well, they, you, <laughs> home cooking. <laughs> it was. Home cooking. Eh, you know, that was pretty close, close enough. Wow, you were I, a no, jack-of-all-trades I, I, was, I was always perfectly honest with that. Well, you have to be. 100%. Yeah, I think you have to be. Well, so. the gold judge, though, it's a pretty simple job. I mean, it's, it is. Yeah, it's but if you ever get into that situation where there they want to where they where come over and have a conversation, oh, yeah. you can very easily go, I saw it plain as day, and that mm-hmm. thing was completely across the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That's true. Not saying that, ever, get there first, not so saying that ever happened. I had teams that wanted to kill me. I suppose you were probably at the end where the team, the visiting team, came off the ice, right? Or were you no, the- I, I wasn't. I was well hit, but but then I, after the game, I had to take care of the ice and and do everything. So I was still in the building when the teams were filing out, and there were more than one occasion when my boss Vance Ballstead would walk in and say, "Glenn, you need to go now." <laughs> Got it. <laughs> They're not happy with it. Yep. Got it. You Thanks. need to go. Which, which is actually was he the big nice. guy? Big guy. Yeah. He was the guy that that could have been Paul Bunyan. Yes. Yes. Big man, but he, he he would he would come and tell me to leave, which was great because that meant I got to, to leave early. Sure, which was awesome. All you had to do was inspire one of the teams to want to kill you. That was yes, the, yeah, that was one of the prerequisites of leaving early. But <laughs> I didn't know you were a Zamboni driver though. That's an interesting little tidbit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a, a little bit of an introspection into Glenn. Drexler's background that I did not know about. So there you go. There you go. I have no idea. Now you can fill in at Westman if there's an emergency situation arises and we need a Zamboni driver. <laughs> Anybody in the audience is a Zamboni driver. Around. I don't think you want that. <laughs> Relax. I'm the Zamboni driver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, let's uh, let's jump in and talk a little bit about the season here because uh, you're a little over a week away from conference championships already, which again just seems hard to believe. I feel like things just got started and. You know, yet, yet here you are. So mm-hmm. what's the uh, the state state of the program, I guess, the state of the union with uh, indoor track and field? Well, uh, if we can stay healthy, we're going to be strong. We're going to be good. It's just a matter of, of at this time of year with, with all the work that we put in and all the time we put in competitions, et cetera, um, we're going to be a little beat up, which is part of the sport. And when, you know, when we do the kind of things we do, we're going to have some nicks and bruises and, always and 
pulled my hamstrings and shin splints and all that good stuff. Um, again, part of the sport. So we're putting our time and ready to, to go and trying to get ourselves healthy for the conference championships and see if we can't come away with a couple of wins. Let's reflect a little bit on what's gone on so far, though, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the you have that the opener in December and then you're off for a month yeah. and then you, you finally – get into a little more of a regular routine, which usually includes a couple of meets on your, your home mm-hmm. surface and everything. So leading up to your down to this conference championship, these first few weeks of competition, what have you, what have you seen that you've liked? Everything. Um, we, we sounds like an answer my kid gives me. Yeah, what did you like yeah, today? Everything. Yeah, exactly. No, we, we, we've implemented some new programs across the board. Um, Tony's, you know, obviously new as far as being the full-time head coach now of, of throws and, He's implemented some new processes, new you know ways of doing things, um, and and they're starting to really expose themselves in, in good ways. Um, similarly, with within the sprints, for instance, we're, we've got an entirely new shift into a different program, different style, um, and it's I think it's paying off uh, greatly. Obviously, with the amount of school records we've had so far, just on the men's side, um, especially immediately, so that's exciting stuff. Um, and then just, you know, our distance crew is just always solid. They're, they're always kind of cranking stuff out. So overall, things are going well. And then, and then we got, you know, the rest of the, the field events, through the jumps and the bowl vault and all that stuff. And, and Garrett here will talk a little bit about that shortly. But uh, just everything seems to be – everybody seems to be picking up on what we're, t- we're trying to put down. You know, we, we've really been focusing on, on what it is, the, you know, what kind of intensity we need to bring to practices to match what we need to do within competitions and just that kind of stuff. And people are starting to understand the difference between what that means to them and what I'm asking. Um, so everything's kind of ramped up a little bit, which is good. And, and the results are showing, you know, individually speaking, everybody's kind of moving into ground that they've never stepped into. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. We've seen a lot of, like you said, school records, a lot mm-hmm. of PRs. Mm-hmm. I feel like every single week there's, 10, 15, yeah. 20 PRs that are, are coming out of each each meet. So yeah. definitely seeing ground that people, like you said, have not been stepping in before. Mm-hmm. How about for you from the athlete standpoint, Garrett? Uh, last year, I, so as of this point this year, I've competed in more meets than I did total last year just because of like injury and the way that we used to run things. But this year I think it's a lot more focused on being healthy because you can't perform well if you obviously aren't healthy and it's just being fresh for meets. But um other than that, it's just the health of the team overall seems to be a huge part because we had tons of injuries last year, and now they're either very minor or unrelated to training. Okay, you both touched on this now. So what what has the change been? Because obviously it was a major factor yeah. in, in you know the results you were seeing last year and now so far this year. So what were the changes that you had to make that you feel you had to make to get away from that? Yeah, so – First and foremost, we talk about the facility itself. And the facility, God bless it, it's a wonderful facility. Love having it. We couldn't be anywhere w- without what we have. Um, the catch is is that regardless of, of what we have there, it's it's hard. It's a hard surface, and it will it will break you down over the course of time. And and we're still already seeing that. That's not going to change. Um, so, so what we had to do is kind of pr- decide how we wanted to address the fact that we're just beating ourselves silly on the surface. Well our volume we we took our volume almost off the table we were going from you know miles a week you know uh, down to meters you know hundreds of meters per week versus mile 100 you know hundreds of miles per week not quite that much for sprinters but um we were really dropping off i mean we're in a in a single practice you know on a heavy day we're we're maybe getting up to 400 meters total of 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 work for a sprinting group Versus previously, we were doing you know ten times four hundred you know, wow. so it was it, it significantly dropped off, um, but it's intentional and it's the intensities are different and and there's a lot of different things going on there. But ultimately, that's the primary thing is we're just we're backing off how much we're beating them up. Um, between that and then you know, I'm gonna promote the heck out of PJ. I mean, his work has been you know uh, crucial to what we've been doing and keeping us healthy, keeping us stronger. Um, in putting us in a position to do the kind of work that we're doing with our with our intensity on the track. So, um, you know, PJ's been a big part of this as well. What has PJ's presence meant for, like, you personally? Because obviously, 
I'm guessing you're coming from high school where you don't have a strength and conditioning coach, and then last year everything was kind of new with PJ. Now that everybody's kind of settled in for the year and maybe gotten into a little bit of a groove with him, what has that meant for you as an athlete? Well, so last year there was a handful of people that would go down and lift consistently, and you can kind of tell, like, how comfortable he gets with you after a while and, like, what he'll trust you to do. But now everyone that they've been doing it since the beginning of the year, we all seem to be on a similar level, and it's it's just a really nice environment down there. And he's well-educated on pretty much anything you want to ask, so it really helps just be clear on what priorities are and what each thing is doing for you. Well, that's – you know, we talked to PJ last year when he first came on. And, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, trying to bring the best out of the athletes and all this kind of stuff. But you're really seeing it now, it seems like, with you guys this year. This has been one of those years, and this is not to say that the team struggled last year, but you guys have been remarkably consistent this year on both sides, I feel like, as far as the indoor season goes. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to win. But, I mean, so far the meets, though, it seems like you guys are either winning two or three events every week pretty close. Um, you know, the conference is taking notice, and you guys are setting PRs, like John said, every single week. And um, I guess that, you know, that's kind of where PJ's like background kind of comes in a little bit because if everybody's a little bit stronger and a little bit more fit, then they're going to be a little bit more resistant to having those nagging injuries that might come up, you know, especially before a conference championship. And so uh, I guess we're kind of seeing the, the uh, rubber hit the road there in that regard, in, in this regard. And it seems like that's kind of where you're going as far as, where where PJ has kind of helped you guys get. I mean, obviously the performances have been really good, uh, backing off on them, and training has been really good. But it's also a kind of a tribute to the work he's done. It sounds like. Absolutely, yeah. PJ, PJ's invaluable. Where, you know, I I don't have much say in this. That I I keep giving Tyler a hard time. Maybe he not be the only person to talk about this, but I keep saying, yeah, he's he's on our coaching staff. So he's he should be listed on our coaching staff <laughs> because I mean it. I mean, I can't do it without him. So. Um, so I, I, at the very least, I get to shout out to, to PJ now and say, hey, you know, you're, you're our guy and you're a big reason why we're doing as well as we are. So let's look forward a little bit now. Conference championship coming up next week. Obviously, it's an event you host. First question, you know, I know in other sports they make a really big deal out of home court advantage, home field advantage. Is there a home track, home facility advantage in track and field or is that probably not as accurate as maybe it is for other sports? Sure. I mean, maybe for me. So I've always been a big proponent of, you know, if I can go on the road, I have more control over what we're eating, when we're resting, all the things that we got when we're at home. Some of the kids are living at, you know, off campus. So they, you know, I got to shovel the walk. I got to feed the dog. My parents are in town. They, they want to stay at the house. There's distractions that I can't control. And, and to that point, you know, being at home is sometimes more of a distraction. Um, it's it's just another day at the at the office for for some of them. And, oh, I just it's another day at the track, instead of it feeling like it's a big deal to go on the road. So there's there's the side that I think, for me, I think I would rather be on the road at times. Um, now, conversely, is it a home field advantage? I don't know. I mean, another reason we're comfortable. We know what we what we do, where we do it. You know, even from a runway standpoint. I mean, these guys get used to the idea of where things are, on the runway within the field house markings visuals you know all those things that they have so there's some there but i i i don't put a lot of stock into it I, I, again i almost think it's more of a distraction at times than than a benefit for us at times i suppose for you too i mean being a home meet you're worrying about not just your athletes you're worrying about sound systems you're worrying buns. about buns in the hospitality room and whether or not you have enough for the sandwiches that are up there yeah. i mean we joke about it it's something i bring up with him almost every well, week even logistics. I, I didn't do it last yeah. weekend yeah. but right it's it's stuff that always needs to be addressed there's always something well we can't find the custodian to unlock this room we can't we've yeah. got a problem with this light bulb that is flickering above the jump pit and it's distracting people all those things that you have to deal with when you are the meat host mm -hmm. so i mean it takes you off your game a little bit too i'm sure yeah I, for sure i i <clears throat> from that perspective i'd rather not deal with it just because i i i run those events you know i, I want them to be a good event and mm -hmm. i want them to be a good event for everybody excluding you know somebody who this may be their closest thing they'll ever get to a national championship, but I want to make sure that they feel that. Um, so we, we try to work very hard to make sure that that happens, and, and that falls on my shoulders more often than not. Not that, it, you know, we try to have other people, you know, kind of I pass the keys off uh, that day, especially in conference championships, but it's never 
really gone. I'm still always, oh, shoot, that probably needs to be taken care of or whatever. Um, yeah, I worry about it probably more than I probably should. He, he mentioned things like knowing the runway and having markings and visuals. Does, is that something that affects you? Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think it's one thing, too, to attest to, like, how nice our facility is, is that there's other places where you might be three feet from the wall at any given moment. And with, you know, long jump, triple jump, stuff like that, it's just difficult. But ours is all very nicely proportioned. And so we do. We are lucky in that sense. But also, like, with pole vault, you know, it's the same runway. With that Scholastica, there's there's this one bump that I'm really particular about. And I, <laughs> I hate that it's there, but it's for their volleyball court because, you know, they're all multi-purpose facilities, so they need to be there. Mm-hmm. But you can't change that. But our, we don't have anything like that. It's nice, flat, and very consistent overall. Glad you brought up pole vault because we <laughs> every meet we have, I bring it up to people like I want to see somebody try this or I want to strap the GoPro on somebody's head or their chest as they're going through, you know, the the entire pole vault thing. Some people are like, yes, I'm all about it. And other people are like, that terrifies the heck out of me. I don't want anything to do with that. How did you start pole vaulting? Well, because to well, me, it's the coolest yeah. event in track and field. I love it. No, it is. It definitely is. <laughs> um, but uh, last year I was injured with high jump being my main event and it just wasn't going anywhere so I wanted to try pole vault in high school and it never really panned out so I asked Glenn he was like well of course because you know, Glenn's career pole vaulter pole vault coach likes anyone pole vaulting and uh, <laughs> it took a while to to gain his trust up until pretty much recently just being so new to it and how fast things can go wrong in that event but I just asked him and we did it at a meet and then I ended up winning the indoor conference last year and then had a pretty good season out, um, outdoor last year, and then this year's looking up as well. So you'd never done it prior to college? Nope. I it's recently I've been doing it for a year. Is that common? I don't know. I mean, I'm asking the coach here. So I mean, yeah. So, so yeah. So so to Gary's point, I mean, he, he, so the Midday Classic last year was his first competition, and so you go from. What did you clear? 7-3? Seven, 7-3, seven, maybe. Yeah, 7-3, and then this, this year he went 14-1. One. One. So that's a, that's, a nice, that's a nice progression, okay? Um, it's, it's not common. Garrett's athletic, all right? You, this, this kid can do anything. So it's fun, you know? Um, don't get a big head about this. <laughs> but it, it's, no, it's, it's fun when, when you've got athletes who, who are just – they can pick things up. They're, they're naturally athletic. Um, he, he has a mind for the learning of it all too. I mean, he's studying it on his own, you know, all the events that we're doing. So we're doing multis as well, half and decathlon and all this. And he, he's, he's studying it on his own, which, which makes it easier for me to, to be able to, to talk to him about the things that we're, we want to work on. He's even asking me stuff that, oh man, that, that's great question. It's probably not, re- you're not ready for it yet. And that was probably, you know four weeks ago but now all of a sudden he's ready for these things and so we're now we're starting to implement these things so it's kind of cool watching him just pick it up and go with it um but yeah to his point you know he, he said you know, I'm, I'm having more trust in him i wasn't letting him on certain polls because i just wasn't i wasn't ready for him it was more my own fear of knowing what to expect and and each time down the runway there's more that i can say yeah he's ready ready absolutely and we're, we're ready to do things so um it's been really fun watching him but is it common not really well but, but sometimes athletes can surprise you so it's pole vault is a really unique event i feel like in in the track and field world just because it's about everything else whether it's a throw or it's a a, a you know track event involves running and staying on the ground when you're in pole vault you're literally you know hoisting yourself into the air and it's it's one of those things where I mean technique comes in, but it's it's a very unique event in that regard. Track and field in general has just bizarre events. I mean, pole vault, you're flinging yourself over a crossbar with a piece of fiberglass, and at one time bamboo or steel or whatever. You know, high jump, you're you're now you're flipping yourself over a bar backwards onto your neck and head. Um, hammer throw, you're you're spinning around as fast as you can. You're sitting into nothing. You're hoping that gravity will will correct it. We're an odd bunch, um, <laughs> but. But that's the beauty of it is that we're, we're you know, it, the the marks are what they are. You know, who can throw the farthest, who can run the fastest, who can jump the, the highest. That's it, it's very sub- objective. It's that's it. Right. Yep. And that's that's what's great about it is that if if I go over the bar higher than you do, it, we're a winner. Yeah. You know, and that's it, the it, fun part. It is. The, it, and it is. 
Like the the results are not in question. I think it's the other you throw it farther, you pull ball higher, you run faster. The, the one tough you, thing you know, about further, it's it's a very you know. The one tough thing about about some of these events, though, in particular high jump and pole vault, is is you end on a fail. Even if you win the event, you failed, and you have to have pretty tough you know mentality to handle that kind of life. Right. You know? yeah. Knowing that no matter what you do. You're gonna fail because it's the highest you cleared. It's not the highest that's it. you attempted. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so even in a PR, I had a PR day. I tried for one more and I failed. Well, you failed, but did you? Right. I mean, right. so it's yeah. it's what is your mentality like to be able to handle that kind of thing? Right. You don't get to walk away saying, oh, like, you know, you can. You can say, all right, I I won. I'm gonna end with that win right there. But everybody wants one more. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, some of the. Uh, they have those those failed videos on YouTube, and a lot of them are track and field. Um, <laughs> that and gymnastics. Those seem to be the two that have the most. And I've seen some just really bizarre occurrences with the weight throws, where people just spin themselves off into into all kinds of mm -hmm. in, interesting situations. Um, Garrett, I'll ask you this: Was there any hesitation about going into pole vault? I mean, is there was there any concerns about any kind of accidents or anything, or is that just something? You just said, well, I really want to do this, and, and I got the right coach to do it, so I'm going to do it, um, and I'm fully confident in doing it. Was, it. was it something that – did that ever enter your mind, or was it just something that you really wanted to do just from the start? Well, I, I feel like right away I was ready to just buy in to give him my best at pole vault because, like, my main event just was not working for me, so I, I needed to take a break for it. But I, I have seen where it goes wrong. I watched a lot of it in high school. Some of my close friends did it, and I've seen them launch themselves 13 feet right back onto the runway onto you know concrete and stuff like that and it just there's a lot that can go wrong and again our facility is very nice to where it can't go that wrong in the sense of like concrete and stuff like that but glenn was always very clear on progressions and made sure what i was doing was safe and that's kind of just slowly working your way up again with the knocking on wood i saw that one <laughs> snuck that one in i i know we're pressed for time with you guys here so i, I just want to you you mentioned multis too and you have to have a certain mentality if you're going to be somebody who is getting into the multis because that's – you want to talk about taxing on the body. Yeah. I mean, that's that's as taxing as it gets. Am I – Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that fair? After my first one last, last year in the outdoor season for, like, four or five days after, I'd just be, like, sitting down and, like, basically falling asleep. Every time I tried to do something – I mean, I remember trying to pull vault, like, four days after, and I'd – smallest pole I use I couldn't do anything with I couldn't mm -hmm. run right and it's just it's weird because I'd never felt that way before but it's just like you need to give yourself that full recovery time how hard is that though on on meet day or two days when well, you are trying to do all of that right over the span of basically 24 to 36 hours it's you just got to be willing to move mm -hmm. on like I when I um did my last multi at stout it I had a really bad day in long jump. I, I jumped once and I fouled the other two. And it was either I could have let that ruin my day in the next day. But I was like, all right, make it up somewhere else. Had a deep, or I don't know about a worse day in pole vault, but I didn't have a very good day in pole vault that day. And that's one of the events I need to score a lot of points in. But, you know, it's after having those two bad events and it's like, all right, run the 1K. And, you know, it's not the farthest event in track and field, but it's farthest I've, you know, <laughs> ran in a long time. And it was... For a multi-athlete, it's the farthest. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it was awful. I mean, <laughs> When you consider everything else they're doing over the course, right. it might as well be a 5K. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's event seven. Like, you, you've tried your best in every other thing, and now, now run as far as you have this season. When you, okay, so you know that's event seven. You know exactly what order all these are yep, going to be. And you look at that way. ahead of time then and, and kind of say to yourself, all right, I can kind of give this one away. You know, I have to be good here, so maybe the one right before that, I just kind of... You're supposed to. Yeah, because um, you, you can't go into it and go, I'm going to crush 10 of these things. Right, yeah. You can, but I, I, I don't think that's realistic in most cases. With certain standpoints, it's like if we had it in conference and I was trying to qualify for conference, it would be a bit easier to shut it down and high jump and pole vault specifically. Maybe I don't do all three long jumps. But... um. I was going for the, the school record, and I needed to do as best as I could in every single event. And when we go and do it at the end of the year, I'll try and qualify or get as high of a national ranking as I can. And so it's going to be getting the best out of every single event possible and just moving on with whatever I got left in the tank. 
going to put coach on the spot here because we're talking about obviously conference championship next weekend. Then you have uh, a couple more meets that go in, come in before you get to that that national meet and those qualifiers and everything. Where does this guy stand when you're looking at qualifying him for nationals? And not just in, in pole vault, I mean, in, in all the events he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where yeah. are we at? Um, Sorry, I know it's a tough question. No, no, it's, it's not. It's, I haven't actually told him some of this stuff yet, but, you know, he'll hear it and, and he'll get a bigger <laughs> head and it'll be fine. Uh, joking. <laughs> I think Garrett's built for the help. Honestly, I think that's a great combination of events for him and his skill set and i and i i think that's where he's going to make some some real good marks moving forward um decathlon is 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 almost stretching him too thin but we're still gonna we're still gonna try it Mm -hmm. and we may find out that he's stronger than than we thought he was um even last year but but the hep right now is he's, he's geared for it really well it's just a matter of now putting it together at the right time with that being said, he, he could knock on the door this year, right? Not likely that we're going to make it. If we look at the numbers that are out there right now, just in our, in our North region, uh, Division Three North region, we got some of the best in the nation. We, well, we have the best in the nation, but ultimately the depth of it is incredible. I go even down to the Midwest region, which is the, or the uh, Iowa-Illinois region now, and... There's, you know, I think he's number 10 on, the, on that list. He's number like 25 or 30 on ours. It's just such a big difference of how strong they are around here in the, in the YX and right. in, in the other. Because, uh, you, I mean, you've, you've remarked before how, yeah. you know, like the YAG championships is essentially a mini nationals yeah. Yeah. when you look at the volume of athletes there that yeah. go to and win. Yeah, exactly. So, so those are the athletes we're competing against in, in – but by competing against those athletes, you're preparing yourself for that, that highest level. So anytime you step on the track, like we did it down at Stout a few weeks ago um, for that help, they were, they were the guys that we need to be competing with so we know what it takes. Now, will it happen this year? Yeah, pr- maybe not, probably not. Is it hap- could it happen in the future? I think so. It, it, it'll be up to him on, on how much he commits, and I know he wants to. Um, I know Earl Foster as well wants to be there too, and I think he's got the capacity as well. So the fact that we got two guys kind of pushing each other down that road is is pretty cool, and and hopefully they'll they'll continue to do those things. Um, so it's it's there's some good stuff happening. It's just a matter of can we put it together at the right time, and then how much can we commit for the long haul kind of thing. Which I he said it already. I'm, that's that's what I want to do. These are the things I want to do. Um, so yeah, I. I totally see that's a possibility. Just a matter of making it, making it happen. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely fair. I mean, just to go back to the YAC, the guys, I broke our school record and I got 10th. By, it wasn't, I mean, it was close, but not that close. The 10th was like kind of the, the cutoff to the second half of the people on that list. I mean, the, the guy that won, I think, is third or fourth nationally right now. And then the rest of them trickle in all about in the top 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not in that conference anymore, and you don't see them quite as often as maybe we used to. But it's it, to me, it's remarkable because so many of those kids are from Wisconsin mm-hmm. that there are that many track and field athletes in the state of Wisconsin that are elite. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I never would have pegged it for you know a, yeah. a northern state, basically. Right. I, you know, I've always said this, and it's, it's as a Minnesota guy. This is an insult. This hurts me to say this, <laughs> but um, the Wisconsin high school teams, and, and this isn't an indictment on our our local teams or any of our teams in general, but our, but the kids that go to Wisconsin high schools and, and compete in track and field, they compete in track and field. It's not because they, it's not their primary thing of well, it's just for football in the fall or or whatever basketball. It, it, this is when it gets track season. It's track season, track and field season, and, and that is their – they are fully engaged, and, and they're doing camps in the winters, and they're doing – I mean, it's it's a full thing. It's even even up from, from the Wisconsin State High School League level, they're committed to that sport. And I just 
the Minnesota State High School League, it just doesn't look like they're as committed at times. You know, the coaches are kind of taking charge with some of the things that are happening, and I and I applaud the coaches because they're really on top of it. You know, they're getting stuff done. Um, but a lot of the, you know, we just don't see the kind of commitment that we do, I have from Wisconsin. Side. Again, it pains me to say that because I've seen some really, but again, individually speaking, there's some talented athletes on both sides. Don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, but the commitment level of of the sport seems to be more of a it's a it's a real deal. It's not secondary. Well, my that's my nephew. I mean, he's a junior at, in, at St. Louis Park right now, and he's he does track and field for football. Right. You know, because his football coach wanted him to learn how to run. Right. You know, because he's like, Jeremy, you're fast, but you don't know how to run. So I want you to go out for track and field and learn how to run, and that will help you in football. Sure. And then, of course, he tore his ACL playing basketball, so now he's <laughs> going to miss this entire track and field season anyway. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I can understand where you're, yeah. you know, where that difference lies. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's hard to say it, and it's, it's, it's controversial maybe, but it's, it's just watching those teams. You know, like w- watching the state meet at Wisconsin. That state meet at Wisconsin at Lacrosse, it's a spectacle. I mean – it ranks up there with with Iowa's state meet at, at Drake Stadium. Minnesota doesn't have that, you know. Right now they're they're at uh, uh, St. Michael Albertville High School, which again, great facility, um, probably as good of a facility as we've had in a few years. I mean, since we moved from the Blaine Sports Center, it was at Hamlin for a very long time. Hamlin's a great facility, but they're they're shuffling people in, they're shuffling people out, they're changing, you know, classes. You know, at Wisconsin, everybody's in there together. And it's a big deal, and everybody's uh, pretty knowledgeable about the sport. So, like when they're watching, you know, a, a, a Division three athlete uh, versus a Division one athlete, and they're seeing, you know, Division three athletes beating the Division one athletes' time, they're like, "Holy cow! That that beat all classes." They know it. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, you don't even know what happened. In the Is class. that good? <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't yeah. know what class they're watching. I mean, they know what class they're watching because they're there for it, but they didn't know what happened in the other classes during the day. Sure. So it's you don't even get to watch the whole meet. You have to watch just separate parts of it. So it's like I said, that right there shows me a commitment level, right? Now Minnesota doesn't have a facility that can host like that, but that Wisconsin one, man, that's a big deal, and everybody wants to get there. Yeah, I I never did. <laughs> uh, a lot of a couple of people on my team did recently, but uh, I can agree to that one thing too. Uh, my area hockey isn't a thing. There's a hockey team that's combined of three schools and it's a very small team and they mm-hmm. have to travel real far to go play anywhere else but um i'm from like the madison area so i've seen some of the best people that wisconsin's ever had specifically uh lo johnson has multiple badger records and i've been in the same races not like heats but i've seen the fastest guys on our team get beat by 50 meters in the 200 by him and he's just amazing but the school he went to had many of the people of the same caliber he was in high school and it's just it's crazy to see looking at a lot of like my school records compared to just other places we go and they rivals like colleges and stuff like that. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. We were talking a lot of pole vault here and I know they're across the street. They're setting up for pole vault practice, which starts in a few minutes. So we'll cut her off here. Garrett, Coach Drexler, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and always... I, I enjoy the athlete perspective so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what keeps us in this business that we're in. But just to, to hear the athlete perspective on everything and be able to listen to Garrett and, and, and talk about how he's transformed from year one to year two and right. how he's seeing the results from year one to year two. And, and, you know, hearing some, too, about how Glenn handles all of this is, is always fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to track and field. It's not quite the same thing. I mean, there's any team has a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different personalities and so on and so forth. But there's an extra element to it when it comes to track and field because there's so many different events. Right. So you've got different guys and gals, and he's he's you know he's coaching two teams, guys guys and gals with multiple events in both. Right. So there there's constant moving of parts. 
And to be able to manage all that is, is tough and be able to relate to each athlete is tough because mm-hmm. you got to keep them all, you know, it, it, and it's, it's organizational because you have to think about, okay, well, what events are they competing in? Which, right. you know, which one is doing this and which one is doing that? You know, I think the fact that Garrett is in the pole vaulting now is certainly near and dear to Glenn's heart. Absolutely. It, it, it sort is. of came out, yep. you know, <laughs> in talking with them about that. And it, you know, I'm, I'm, it was kind of fun to watch Glenn kind of, you know, smile <laughs> when Garrett was talking about doing the pole vaulting thing. Cause I think that's something that Glenn hasn't necessarily had a lot of pole vaulters that have come through. Right. Um, you know, and the fact that Garrett sort of said to him, yeah, I really want to do this. And I didn't really get a chance to in high school. I kind of wanted to, but just never really worked out. Right. And now I get a chance to, uh, you know, that, that's, that's something that's, I think that kind of is a little bit of a, a, a twinkle in uh, Glenn's eye sort sure. of, you know, if you bring that up, seeing Garrett and Garrett's doing really well, he's having mm-hmm. an outstanding year. Yeah, I mean, really he's, good year. I, tw- he's at least two or three times now he's been the, uh, you know, the, the field athlete of the week. Yep. Um, it's, in, you know, he, no, he's, there's no doubt. He's, he's broken a school record in there as well. Yeah. You know, and the heptathlon. I mean, he, he has done a lot of things this year, um, that he can be proud of and he's only a sophomore. Yeah. So he's got time to go. He's got a long, long yeah, way to go so, here. Long way to go. Yeah. And the team is performing really well. Yeah. Both teams are actually. So yeah. You know, it's it's fun. It's going to be fun to see how they do in the championships in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, it's going to be. But uh, speaking of that, uh, one sport anyway, heading into playoffs yeah. now this week. A few yeah. more next week. This is the final uh, weekend of the regular season for the two basketballs and women's hockey. So let's dive into it. Yeah, uh, men's hockey will lead off with them because they do actually start out uh, the postseason here. Uh, Friday and Saturday, they take on Northland College in the opening round of the WIAC tournament. Uh, both games at Westman Arena, 7 p.m. Both nights on Friday and Saturday, 6:30. The pregame on Friday, while Saturday will be joined immediately in progress after the women's basketball broadcast against Crown. Um, as of right now. As of right now, as that's right our now. plan. <laughs> Things can always change, yeah. as we've learned, but uh, right. yeah, that, as of well, that's right now. The, that's the baseline we're going off of right there. Yep. Um, so the Lumberjacks and the Yellow Jackets at uh, Westman Arena, um, and then of course, if they split those two games, the dreaded mini game will take place on Saturday as well. No mini game. We're not talking about it. <laughs> that's, I'm just saying that's the format. Don't even bring it up. <laughs> Don't even bring it up. Hasn't been a good thing for the Yellow Jackets over the years. But no. that's the format for the tournament. Don't even talk about it. Okay. But, yeah, two games at least. My least favorite played. part of Division Three hockey. Don't even talk about it. Hate it's very it. strange. Can't stand it. Hate it's such it. a strange Worst thing. Worst thing ever. Yeah. It's such a strange way to, to, to decide a game Correct. in a playoff series. It's just I don't get it. But, anyway. So, that's Moving what's on. up. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> women's hockey uh, closes out the regular season also against Northland. This time they're on the road, though. Uh, Friday and Saturday at the Bay Area Civic Center in Ashland. Opening face-off on Friday for the women at 7 p.m. while the opening face-off on Saturday at 2 p.m. for them. And then they'll find out you know, where and when they'll be playing the Lumberjills in the first round of the tournament as well. So a lot of uh, Northland uh, across the way from the Yellow Jackets hockey teams mm-hmm. this weekend. Men's basketball, they close out the regular season as well. And control their own destiny. If they win both games this weekend, they'll be the number two seed. Correct. In the uh, forthcoming UMAC tournament, um, they close up the regular season with games against Minnesota Morris on Friday and Crown on Saturday. Both games at the Mertz. Opening tip against the Cougars on Friday, set for five thirty p.m. While Saturday's game against the Polars will begin at three p.m. With yours truly on with the pregame starting probably between two forty and two forty-five, depending on how long me and. Uh, Coach Balkowski chat in the pregame on 91.3 FM. That'll be game one of a triple header of Yellow Jacket Sports. Our final triple header, I think. Well, at least for we now. We don't know that for sure yet. <laughs> yeah, but that's our re- final I'm regularly season. I'm guessing it is, but we don't know for sure. That's our final uh, official regular season, uh, or at least of our broadcast schedule, official triple header of the year. So it'll um, be a busy day there. Uh, women's basketball, same story. Close out the regular season against Morrison Crown on Friday and Saturday at the Mertz. Opening tip against the Cougars on Friday, set for 7.15 p.m., while the opening tip on Saturday against the Polars is a tentative start time of 4.45. Of course, that depends on how quickly the men's game gets under mm-hmm. or gets underway and then over. With pregame getting underway, again, tentatively starting at 4.30 or so, uh, 91.3 FM with yours truly. And, again, a lot of sports that day with me and Mr. Garver, so yep. hang out with that. Uh, men's and women's indoor track and field this week, Saturday the 18th. They're at the Gene Glader Classic, hosted by Bethel at the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of Bethel in St. Paul, 10 a.m. This start time there, men's and women's tennis. Both teams are in action. Both teams have double headers this week uh, on Saturday and Sunday, the 18th and 19th. The men will be playing Loris and St. Norbert at the Green Bay Tennis Center in De Pere. Start time against Loris is set for 5 p.m. on Saturday, while on Sunday, bright and early against the Green Knights, 8 a.m. 
Yeah, that's a, that's called a early wake-up call. Boy, I guess. <laughs> All right. Against the Green Knights, and then the women will face UW Stout on Saturday. Uh, and they will also play St. Norbert on Sunday. Game time against the Blue Devils is set for 11 a.m. and then also at 8 a.m. again on Saturday for the women's tennis team looking for their first win of the campaign. And that's a really early start. I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> Agreed. That's uh agreed. That's what that's called an early, early uh, yeah, that's uh rise. A tough one. Yeah, eight AM does not sound like the right time to be playing anything. We have had some baseball games that have been played at weird times like that. I think we've had nine AM baseball games before. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those calls. Yeah. Now we're bumping up the start time because the weather looks bad, so we're gonna play at nine. Oh, awesome. Right, yeah. Those Join are, us uh, for uh, breakfast. Right, yeah. <laughs> Join us for yeah, 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 you know, tea time at uh, Yellow Jacket Baseball. Oh, yeah, opening, yeah, yeah, early morning tea. And speaking of that, I mean, we're, we're a week away from baseball and softball starting. Yeah, baseball too, and softball. So, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, they, uh, their we're, preseason. We're in it right now. Their preseason polls came out. They're both in preseason. The women were fr- uh, picked to finish third, which I think uh, opened up some eyeballs and might provide some bolts and board material for Coach Melissa Fracker and no company. Doubt. While the men were picked to finish second yep. in the preseason baseball poll, both of those polls were released, I think, yesterday, weren't they? Uh, softball or, was uh, um, on Tuesday. Okay. Baseball's yesterday. Last couple of days, anyway. Yep. So, yeah, that's uh, that's coming up. And, uh, of course, high expectations for both of those squads this year as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get through this winter portion and then uh, into the spring, which is it's, – it's, spring is a little bit bittersweet for me just because I'm always uh, – it, it kind of signals the end, or the beginning of the end of another sports year. But yep. uh, Yellow Jackets look like they're going to have some good squads in the spring season. So Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. So a lot on the plate, a lot of uh, stuff coming up, and it should be a lot of fun. That'll do it for this week's episode of I Have the Swarm. Many thanks again to Garrett Lynch and Glenn Drexler from the Yellow Jacket Men's Track and Field Program. For San Yum Shrestha in the control room, for the Big Sound Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to I Have the Swarm. Mm-hmm.